What's going on, everybody? This is uh, Bob Morris uh, with another edition of the Bob's Tidbits podcast. Uh, you can always find it on bobstidbits.substack.com. Again, this is something that I'm going to try to do, hoping to do on a regular basis. Just kind of depends on when I'm able to fit things into my schedule and when topics do come up. I do hope uh, everyone is having a happy Easter for those of you who celebrate. If not, I hope you have enjoyed your weekend. Uh, I'd hoped to upload a podcast yesterday, but there were some technical difficulties with it, so we're trying to record it on uh, directly on Substack, and we'll see how this goes. So this week, I wanted to visit with you about uh, quarterback uh, contracts, and there were four quarterbacks, of course, who recently agreed to uh, new deals, and there's been in the news other quarterbacks who are going to be up for extensions at some point. Uh, Most recently, there was Kyler Murray. And there were the reports that his agent had said that uh, he was pulling an offer from the table. And now there's the speculation about uh, whether or not the Cardinals are going to trade him or not. I think what we have to look at in these uh, contract negotiations is to consider what teams are doing as these negotiations take place, and how the situations are unfolding. Uh, For example, when you look at uh, Derek Carr's extension, which was reported to be about uh, $40.5 million average salary per year, that was a bit misleading because there was a report from Mike Florio, which he said that uh, Carr only got $24.5 million fully guaranteed. And that's an amount that's actually lower than the franchise tag for quarterbacks for 2022. So any quarterback that is currently looking at a a contract extension is not going to take that much in fully guaranteed money. They're going to want more than that. So uh, I don't think Carr's contract is really going to have much of an impact on these negotiations as people think. And then you can look at another one, uh, Aaron Rodgers, who signed a contract that was about uh, for $50 million average per year salary per year. And But you have to look at his situation to understand how this unfolded. If you go back to 2020, that's when the Packers traded up to select Jordan Love. And some people compared that to uh, when Aaron Rodgers was drafted, Brett Favre was still on the team. but The difference was when the Packers drafted Aaron Rodgers, he fell to their pick in the first round. They did not have any offers to trade up, so they couldn't move down, and Rodgers topped their board. So they decided rather than take a player who was not as highly ranked on their board at that spot of the draft, they took Rodgers instead. So that's a defensible position. When a player falls to you, he's the top player on your board, and you are unable to trade down, you can make the argument that you should take the player. That's not the case when you trade up. When you trade up, you signal to everybody, we're going with this player. He's our guy. And so they essentially sent the message that Jordan Love is the quarterback we want to eventually replace Aaron Rodgers. And because of the rookie contracts, you don't want to sit on a quarterback too long because you want to take advantage of the cheaper salaries that come under the rookie pay scale. 
Then as the story unfolded, uh, Rodgers uh, was the MVP for the 2020 season. He then, the reports came out about his unhappiness during the 2021 offseason. The Packers eventually got with him and renegotiated his contract, which gave him a salary in 2022 that was so large, it made it clear that they were either going to have to extend him or trade him. Uh, I should add, they voided the remaining years on his contract. So basically, 2022 was to be the final year of that contract. And again, they would either have to trade him or extend him to clear cap space. And then uh, during the season, Rodgers uh, missed a start, which I believe was because of uh, the COVID-19. I believe that was a positive test, if I'm not mistaken. Jordan Love got the start, and he didn't do very well. And I think at that point, the Packers started having second thoughts about Jordan Love and then thought that they needed to keep Rodgers. So given all the uh, the circumstances that unfolded, Rodgers basically put the Packers in a position in which they believed they have to give him whatever he wants. And so the end result was the extension that gave him $101 million in fully guaranteed money. That was the most of any quarterback at the time he signed. Uh, Josh Allen was the first quarterback to get uh, $100 million fully guaranteed in a contract when he signed earlier. Then, so that situation's not... It did reset the market in some ways, but that situation, I don't know if that's the norm if you're doing a good job of handling a quarterback situation. Then you come to Deshaun Watson, who had his issues with the Texans, and then last season the Texans just didn't take any phone calls from teams who were interested in him. Watson then had the uh, sexual harassment, sexual assault lawsuits filed against him, which is a topic for another day. And at that point, some teams pulled out of trade talks, were no longer interested in Watson, I should say. Again, the Texans weren't taking calls. Then during the season, the Texans uh, discussed a deal with the Dolphins, and that fell through. Then you come to the 2022 offseason, and the Texans, who had... Watson showed up to training camp in 2021 and the Texans basically deactivated him and paid him his salary due that year. Now this year it was clear they needed to trade him. So what they did was a trade in which you got more publicity about what Watson, about the process, the the thought process Watson had as he was deciding where he wanted to go. The way it happened was the Texans took calls from teams who were interested. They negotiated with each team a trade offer and then told Watson, go ahead and pick your team. And then we basically had play-by-play updates, essentially, of which team Watson was going to select. So you had the Browns, the Panthers, the Saints, and the Falcons were all interested. First team that got eliminated was the Browns. It happened on one day. Then a day later, he eliminated the Panthers, and then it was going to be the next day he was going to make his decision. So you basically had a a lot of uh, hoopla surrounding this, uh, this these trade talks, which was not like other trade talks that have uh, taken place. I'll get to a couple of those in a minute. But 
Anyway, that's when the Browns came back and offered Watson the five-year contract for $230 million, all fully guaranteed, and that was an offer Watson couldn't turn down. So that situation was a team who, with a quarterback who was seeking a new team, was given the option to select his destination. Of course, Watson did have the no-trade clause in his contract, but... On top of that, you were publicizing everything along the way, and then a team that was ruled out comes right back and basically makes a desperation offer. So it was as close to a free a quarterback getting the free agency as you can get, so that gave Watson some leverage. And I don't think you're going to see a lot of situations like that uh, happen in the future, so I'm not convinced you're going to see every quarterback is going to get five years fully guaranteed, nor that every quarterback is necessarily going to reset the market. That brings me to uh, Matthew Stafford, who in uh, 2021, it was uh, a there's one similarity to his case and Watson's case in that the Lions announced they were planning to trade him, but what you didn't see was a big public spectacle of getting teams lined up and revealing who the teams are that are in contention for him and Stafford then narrowing it down and picking his team. Now, of course, Stafford didn't have a no-trade clause in his contract, but still, that does, that wouldn't have necessarily stopped a team from publicizing everything if it wanted to or his agent. Instead, you had reports of teams who talked to the Lions about acquiring Stafford, but you didn't see this essentially play-by-play that I mentioned with Watson in which you had this, in which everything was being shared along the way. Instead, it was reports of teams who had talked and then the announcement that the Lions had agreed to trade him to the Rams. So when the Rams acquired him, they gave up a third-round pick in 2021 and two future firsts, 2022 and 2023, and of course sent Jared Goff and the Rams had an owner willing to spend money in Stan Kroenke. They had a one of the best head coaches in the NFL, Sean McVay, and they had a good roster in place. You would think that the Rams would have been quick to extend Stafford to basically beat the market, but, but instead they chose not to do so. And then we know what happened with the Rams. They won the Super Bowl. Again, you would think this is the chance for Stafford to reset the market. But he didn't. He got $63 million in fully guaranteed money, so he didn't come close to uh, Rodgers or Josh Allen. He got $120 million in total guarantees, so that's less than what he got uh, from Ro- than Rodgers, who got $150 million in total guarantees. He does have a contract that pays him well and will keep him with the Rams through 2024 meaning the Rams won't be able to cut or trade him without taking a large dead money hit and with losing cap space. But I think the reason why you don't you didn't see Stafford reset the market in every way is because the Rams didn't mishandle contract negotiations. They made him feel welcome. They they did a better job of handling his situation and I imagine that last year they were likely telling him to be patient, 
We'll go ahead and get to a contract extension for you eventually. We just want to see how things work out. Things did work out for the Rams, so then they got a deal done that paid Stafford well but didn't reset the market. Then you come to Russell Wilson, who the Broncos acquired in a trade with the Seahawks. Uh, they gave up more in draft capital for Wilson than the Rams gave up for Stafford. But like with the Stafford situation, you didn't have a big public spectacle about the teams coming forward to talk to the Seahawks about Wilson and getting the trade offers negotiated and then letting Wilson pick his team. Wilson, of course, had a no-trade clause in his contract. Instead, what you saw was that there was speculation and discussion from fans and analysts about could Russell Wilson be traded, but it was mostly quiet as far as what was actually happening behind the scenes. And then you had the announcement uh, the same day that Aaron Rodgers announced that the announcement that Aaron Rodgers was going to stay with the Packers that the Seahawks had agreed to trade Russell Wilson. So this the Wilson situation strikes me more like Stafford's situation in that they're not making a big public spectacle of things. And it sounds more like that the Broncos are wanting to do what they believe is necessary to make Wilson feel happy and comfortable with his situation. But the Broncos do have some other questions they've got to answer. The uh, head coach, Nathaniel Hackett, it's his first year. He is unproven. I, as a Bronco fan, I do have op cautiously optimistic that he can do good things, but we just don't know that yet. As far as the talent goes, there's certainly some talent on the roster, but they have some questions at other positions, possibly perhaps more than the Rams did. And the ownership situation is up in the air. I don't think the ownership situation being up in the air is the only reason Wilson's not being extended at this time. I think it is more to do with the fact the Broncos want to see what they have this year from Wilson, the coaching staff, and the rest of the roster. And if things work out well, then they can come back to Wilson and say, okay, let's sit down and talk about an extension. And if they handle things well and don't make a public spectacle, I think they will be able to get Wilson signed to a deal that certainly pays him well, but doesn't reset the market like Rodgers or have to be five years fully guaranteed like Watson. Then touching upon the other quarterbacks who are up for extensions, I think some of these teams are looking at what happened with Jared Goff and Carson Wentz, who got extensions that put them at the top of the market at the time they signed them, and then neither one worked out in the long run. So with the Ravens and Lamar Jackson, I think in that situation... The Ravens saw Jackson uh, the, as a rookie. He had a, what I would call a typical rookie season. He struggled at times, but showed potential to be a good quarterback. Then his second season, he has an MVP year. And then his third season, he regressed. Then his fourth season, he started off pretty well, but the Ravens had a lot of injuries and Jackson wasn't playing as well toward the middle of the season as he was at the start, and then he got injured. So I think with Jackson, the Ravens are looking at him and saying, how much is he really worth in a contract? And there are those who will bring up that Jackson doesn't have an agent, and if he had an agent, 
you get a contract now. I'm not convinced that's the case. I don't think this has anything to do with the lack of an agent. It's simply the Ravens asking the question, how much is he really worth? The Cardinals with Kyler Murray is similar. Murray, as a rookie, he was, I'd say he was a solid player as a rookie, but he wasn't, uh, he wasn't one of those quarterbacks that came out and really wowed everybody as a rookie. His second season, he played a little better. His third season, you had a, he was in the MVP conversation at the start of the year, and then he got hurt and missed a couple of games. Then the Cardinals lost DeAndre Hopkins for the season, and down the stretch, Murray didn't play well at all. So now you come into the fourth, fourth year, and you see Mur reports about Murray pulling down references from the Cardinals on his social media. You hear what his agent is saying. And I look at the Cardinals, I think they're looking at similar to Murray. They want, they are not certain how much Murray is worth, and they want to see what he does this season before they start talking about an extension. Now, as long as they don't make this a public spectacle or do anything to basically indicate to Murray, you're not going to be here much longer. You know, if they draft a quarterback in the first round of this year's draft, for example, you know, that's definitely going to send the message to Murray that he's not wanted anymore. So I think the best way to do it is to just kind of let things simmer down and let cooler heads prevail and just have the Cardinals sit down with Murray and just say, look, let's go ahead and see what you do this season. And depending on what you do this season, we can start talking about an extension. So, but with both Jackson and Murray, I look at them and I don't think they're quarterbacks that should reset the market. I think they should be, they should be paid closer to the top, but not at the top. Maybe you can make the case that they should get paid similar to Matthew Stafford, but with Jackson, I think you have a, a case particularly if he plays well this season with Murray. I'd really want to see what he does in 2022 before I did that. As far as quarterbacks who might reset the market, Joe Burrow is an obvious candidate, especially if the Bengals uh, get back to the AFC Championship game or the Super Bowl this year. Justin Herbert, that's a good question. Uh, right now, he's he certainly has played well, but... I don't know yet if I'm ready to make him a quarterback that should reset the market. And things remain to be seen with the 2021 uh, draft class. Matt Jones right now, I don't think he's somebody who should reset the market. He's, In fact, I'm not certain if I would put him uh, as a better quarterback than Lamar Jackson or Kyler Murray at this point. But but who knows? I've had my skepticism about uh, Jones before, whether he was worth the first round pick. And I give him credit. He did a respectable job this past season. You can certainly see the case that he was worth the first round pick. And who knows? He may prove me wrong and prove that he is worthy of being at the top of the market. So anyway, that's all I have uh, to talk about uh, this week. And again, I'd hope to do this yesterday, but just didn't work out from the technical standpoint. So we'll try to do uh, more of the podcast directly on Substack and see how this works. And I know I did promise to talk about uh, the long-term 
long-term situations for each of the uh, NFL teams, but because we're getting closer to the draft, I think we'll wait until after the draft to discuss that. And, of course, the Derek Carr extension uh, kind of changed things as well. So, anyway, this has been uh, Bob's Tidbits Podcast. As always, you can find it here on bobstidbits.substack.com. You can also find me on Twitter at Bob Morris Sports. And I hope everyone enjoys the rest of the upcoming week, and you all take care.